0: Welcome to the P Primo Show. It is episode 121 and we were he- we are here with my friend Alex Milstein and we are- will be going deep on the likely mattress firm acquisition by TSI, but let's first pay the bills. If you haven't bought my book, what are you waiting for? Unless you have too many customers in your store, and if you do, you probably don't need my book. But if you do, there's 101 chapters with multiple ideas in each chapter on how you can sell more furniture and more mattresses. So if you haven't picked up my book, Sell a Million, go to Amazon and pick it up. What are you waiting for? Prices are going up, by the way, so get it while you can. Uh Thank you, Steve Houck, for sponsoring the Pete Primo Show. The Mattress Industry Network Group is a big part of our show and our first sponsor. We appreciate you more than you know. If you are in the mattress industry group, we want you in. If you are in the mattress industry, we want you in the mattress industry network group. It is a great place for you to learn how to build, market, sell, and succeed in the mattress industry. Whether you're on the retail side of it, um, you sell mattresses, for a retailer, whether you are a manufacturer, we want you in the group. Don't delay, join and say hi to me once you're in the group. Without a further to do, let's get to the show. Alex, good morning, or good afternoon, I should say.
1: Yeah, good afternoon, Pete.
0: We got a good one. It's uh, kind of something that we've been talking about forever. A signed copy Do you need one, Keith? If you need one, let me know. I'm happy to give you a signed copy. My old boss from Protect the Bed and a great all-around guy who spent most of his career in retail and is just fabulous. So, Keith, it's always good to see you. So, Alex, back to you. We've been talking about this mattress from acquisition. Then when they announced that it's going to happen, Everybody assumed that it already happened and it's a done deal. Right. Some <laughs> yeah. people are losing their minds. And I'm, I just have some advice to everybody. Just breathe. That's just, just breathe. It hasn't yeah. happened yet. It's probably going to happen. I don't think they would have announced it if it wasn't going to happen. So Alex, one of the things that strikes me about you is like, you are the voice of reason in our industry. At the same time, you challenge us um to be better. And it's one of the things that I love about you. Uh, you have this journalistic, very logical mind. And I think it's really important for us to kind of take the emotion out of, uh, you know, if, 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 you know, if this happens and this happens and and we get so many dominoes in a row, it's like it's, it doesn't even resemble reality anymore. The arguments that we're making to ourselves at times. So, yeah, I'm going to let you start to unpack this, and then we'll just kind of take it from there. And if there's any questions, anybody that's listening, this is live right now. We Alex wants your your question. I want your question. We would love to hear what's on your mind about the mattress firm acquisition or the likely mattress from acquisition because it hasn't happened yet. Unless I'm wrong. Has it happened and I didn't know?
1: No, you are correct, Pete. It has not <laughs> happened yet. Um I know a lot of people kind of just assume that when an acquisition like that is announced, that you know it it went through. But um for sure this has not gone through yet. However, as Pete was saying, I do not think that they would have made this announcement. Um, if they didn't have you know, serious faith in the deal going through, I know from listening in on the tempur Sealy, um, earnings call the other week that they, um, you know, they have kind of been looking at this deal for seven years. So, you know, they have this planned out. They've been talking to the FTC already for a couple of months. Um, so, you know, they wouldn't really come out with this kind of, explosive news if they had any, you know, bad faith that the deal was going to fall through. Uh, however, you know, I wrote in an article this morning in uh, betting News Now that this really is not you know, this isn't a doom and gloom situation. I think this is more of an opportunity situation mm-hmm. and I think that there are a lot of different ways that retailers can find opportunities to, you know, if they need to, for whatever reason, drop temper which, you know, worst-case scenario. Um, you know, there are other lines they could pick up. They could do a private label program like Miss Kelly's did. Um, there are so many other options. And, you know, again, to my the point of my article, there hasn't ever really been a manufacturer that has also doubled as a retailer and been successful. Um, really interesting um, little conversation I had this morning on uh, Facebook with... Joshua Rigsby, who's uh, one of the owners of ESC Mattress. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we were talking about uh, Sleep Number and how Sleep Number's board was basically given the um, option, you know, do you want to be a retailer or do you want to be a manufacturer? And, you know, they had 300 retail stores so they would have had to close those or, you know, they had maybe 10 other retail outlets that they were selling to. So they decided to pull out from the manufacturing and, you know, become the retailer that they are now and that is part of their, you know, success that they, um, you know, really are focused on the retail and not, you know, doubling his boat.
0: Yeah. That's a great point, uh, that Josh made. Um, and I agree that it's very difficult to be a, um, a really top notch manufacturer and a top notch retailer. They're essentially different hats. Mm-hmm. Um I think the folks at Temper would be important are are smart enough though that they would uh keep these separate, but maybe I'm assuming too much. But um thanks for sharing Joshua's insights there because uh I know Joshua and uh I always like to get his point of view on things. He's uh
1: he's yeah. a good
0: guy and he has Very some smart. he has some interesting things to say. Mm-hmm. When America's mattress count, Keith Burrell. You know, Keith, that's a really good uh point. Keith Burrell is asking "One America's mattress count uh as a as a as a um manufacturer. So here's the interesting thing about that. You want you guys want some inside baseball? I'm at. <laughs> I wrote the pro forma, I wrote the 5-year business plan for that. I got to a point with my boss where he wanted me to change this this and the other to sign my name to it and I said I'll change this but I'm not changing that and I'm not changing that. It it, does, it won't resemble reality anymore and I'm not putting my name to it and um it didn't matter because about a few weeks later I quit anyway. So it it but America's mattress was certas uh, basically, attempt at that, but you know those were franchises, uh, Keith. Um, most of them, some of them I heard, and I don't know that it's true. Um, were heavily financed and heavily sponsored, so I understand where that sentiment comes from. But one of the interesting things is when America's Mattress first started, it wasn't strong enough. Um, It was just Certa, so the Simmons component was not there. And in all the name brand studies, for the first 20 years I was in the business, the name brands were basically um, Beautyrest, and then it was Posturepedic, and then it was Sealy, and then it was Simmons. In that order, Certa didn't even come on the radar. And so CERTA did not have any Simmons branded product to, to help with America's mattress. So originally what they allowed is they allowed, um, people to carry temper because the executives were smart enough at CERTA to understand that the business would be stronger with temper uh, on the floor. And that was before temper was owned by Sealy or t- temper owned Sealy, I should say. So. Mm-hmm. That's a completely different situation, but I understand where you could in broad strokes go, well, you know, that, that was an attempt by it, but it's a great conversation. And I thank you so much for bringing that up, uh, Keith. Uh, America's mattress at one point was actually, uh, could have gone that direction. It very easily could have gone directly under sort of ownership, but it did not. Um, it was franchised out one of the best. Guys, I know in the business, uh, I suppose he's watching, I'm not sure, but uh, I can bet you his sales manager, Superstar, a.k.a. Nicole, is watching, and that would be Scott Vaughn. Scott Vaughn was in America's Mattress franchise. He now owns Happy Z's, and America's Mattress was great when he was just learning the business. It was a done-for-you uh, business plan and Everything was done. The ads were done. The, the, uh, the uh, floor plan was done. The training, everything was done. But as time went on, um, Scott became more educated and, and after, you know, 15 or 20 years of that, he was able to reconfigure his own success formula called Happy Z's in Paducah and Benton, Kentucky. And they just do a great job there. So. I hope I answered your question, Keith. If I didn't, anything you want to add to that, Alex? I don't
1: know. No, I mean, I think, um, kind of going back to, uh, temper and mattress firm, you know, I think that they could be the exception where, you know, I think they are going to be smart enough to keep the two entities separate and not that. You know, they can succeed both. Um, you know, they're a big enough company and they have the resources. So I do think they might be the exception to the rule. So speaking, you know, of America's mattress that counts, Timber Sealy might be the first one to do it successfully. But that's awesome. you know, just hypothesizing.
0: No, no, no. I, I don't think you're hypothesizing too awful far. I, I think there's some very smart, capable people there that. Mm-hmm. I probably already thought this through and, and are probably yep. heading in that direction. So what Alex, I'm going to ask you a question because I know you have a lot of contact with retailers and, uh, that's part of why I love talking to you because it's like I get to talk to 200 retailers at once when I talk to you because yeah. uh, you, you very often do not pick up the phone. Uh, you always call me back, but it's because you're already on the phone with several people <laughs> and trying to chase down everything that's happening. And I love the fact that your ear is so low to the ground in the industry. So tell me what concerns um, dealers are expressing with this mattress uh firm and uh TSI acquisition. What are their concerns? Um, so
1: I think one of the biggest concerns is that, um, TSI is going to be go exclusive to Mattress Firm and stop selling to every other, you know, retail partner that they work with, which, you know, to that point, I, I honestly don't know, you know, I, I don't think that they would be, um, I don't think that they would leave that much business because as I also heard in the earnings call, they're planning on Cutting back on the number of mattress firm stores. So I am hoping that they, you know, do something positive for the industry in terms of, um, sales and promotions and cut out some of that, um, I would say hurtful language, you know, that, that consumers think of mattress stores, you know, they, they go there when there's a sale and they look for the best deal and, you know, they're probably not getting the best mattress. I think that that hurts the industry to, Push that message to consumers. So hopefully, you know, they'll, they'll be able to clean up, clean up some of that messaging, which I've talked to a few people about. Um, and you know, I think just one of the, one of the very real concerns is just the size of Temper Sealy and the size of Mattress Firm. And, you know, it's, it seems like a deal to end all deals, but I don't, it's really going to be that terrible in the long run. I think they're going to run it smart, smartly and, you know, really consider the rest of the industry because if they make a bad move, I mean, there's, you know, there's still lawsuits that can come up. So they don't want to, you know, just push the deal through and then, you know, become bad guy. I think they want to stay on the good side of the rest of the industry. So I don't think they're going to make any drastic moves that hurt retailers.
0: Have you talked to any uh, retailers or executives, for that matter, or, or anyone in the industry, with any thoughts of 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 looking to the recent past when mattress firm acquired Sleep Outfitters, for instance, and mm-hmm. what they did, how they behaved, and are there lessons there that mm-hmm. we potentially apply to what's about to happen?
1: You know, um, not that specific deal for sure, but I have talked to, to a few people about, you know, just in the past when manufacturers have, um, you know, gotten into the retail game, you know, it, it really just hasn't worked out for anybody. As we were saying, um, you know, everybody kind of realized that they need to go one way or the other. And I think there's a pretty obvious reason for that. You know, you're, you're competing against the stores that you want to be selling through and. So you you know you could lose business that way um, but yeah, you know uh, I can't think of any other one specifically, but I think you know with all of the acquisitions and mergers of mattress firm has gone under in the last you know twenty years, um, you know, I think the lesson is that you you need to separate you know you need to to figure out what you really need to do with with each thing and you shouldn't, you know, cut corners. And, um, I think Temper is actually going to be smart about that. You know, they have been talking about, um, you know, moving products straight from their factories to mattress firm stores and how much, you know, easier that can be for them. And so, you know, I think they've really thought this out. I don't think that this is something where, you know, you would ask the CEO a question and he would stumble on his words. Um, I think they really know what they want to do. Um, you know, the CEO, Scott Green, um, said that, you know, this really was seven years in the making. They have wanted to do this for seven years. And I think that, you know, that shows that they really thought through during that time to be able to finally pull the trigger and say, Hey, we're going to, we're going to acquire them.
0: Yep. So the, the lessons. There's three lessons with the Sleep Outfitter merger that I've been privy to through um, through retailers that I respect. And uh, they kept a close eye on that because it affected them. Um, they didn't close any retailers. So this thing that TSI could potentially close retailers, maybe. Uh, but I wouldn't think they would close any strong TSI retailers. If, right. if, if you've agreed to put, uh, eight to 10 SKUs on the floor of temper and you've been, um, whittling away John, John. Then, uh, the two SKUs after this acquisition and they've been putting up with it, don't be surprised if you get dropped. Um, I'm talking to store owners now. Um, but they didn't close any retailers. And what they actually did is they closed the actual footprint. Uh, they they made the footprint of Sleep Outfitters smaller. Uh, they closed a, a significant amount of stores. I think it was 20 to 30% of all the stores were actually closed. They just weren't performing. And they made good business decisions. The other thing that I've kind of heard... Is this concern about them making special product or not being able to compete on price? Uh, when they took sleep outfitters over, there was no special product at sleep outfitters. There still isn't to this day that I know of. And there's no special pricing, uh, that that retailer is not going out there with, uh, any lower pricing than when Kim owned. Um, as a matter of fact, if anything, I would point back to your one of your original comments, Alex. Um, when Kim, who I have a lot of respect for, who built sleep outfitters into a powerhouse, um, when she owned it, they were much more loosey goosey with their retail price. And if it was getting to the end of the month and they needed sales, that they, they were cutting below a map. It was pretty apparent from lots. Now, whether that was sanctioned by, don't send me a text or an email, kid. I, I love you and I respect you. and I respect everything you've done in our business and continue to do in our business as a consultant. Um, but they were cut in price. And I'm not hearing that they're cut in price nearly as much, even though um, some of that happens. So let's kind of go the opposite way, Alex. What if... The worst thing happens, and that is they decide, you know what, here's a store. I'm not going to sell them anymore because it's just taking um, sales away from the mattress firm store. So let's just say for the sake of this argument and doing a deep dive and just doing a deep dive justice, what would your recommendation be to that retailer? They get the cease and desist. From TSI. Yeah, you're no longer a temper Seeley and Stearns. Um, you know, what are their options at that point? You already mentioned one, but uh I'll let I'll let you kind of dish on that a little bit. Yeah, well,
1: you know, I think there are so many manufacturers in our industry. Um you know, all it would really take is for another manufacturer to step in and, you know, either, like I said, kind of private label a mattress program with a retailer or, you know, explain how their mattress could fill that void. And so I think there's an opportunity for manufacturers here to be really savvy in their presentation and marketing. And, you know, if that does start happening, they have market share that they can pick up. And if they, you know, really care about that market share, it's going to help the retailer who they are selling to uh, also sell. And so it really is a symbiotic relationship that will work for both of them. I think that's, you know, one good option. Um, You know, but I also think that if Tempur-Sealy becomes synonymous with Mattress Firm, the brand image is going to change. And I don't know that you know, the upcoming generation, like Generation Z and, you know, millennials now, I don't know that they particularly care about brand name as much, especially when they can, you know, either just order it online or, you know, they can go in and actually feel it and say, oh, you know, this is a, you know, this is a diamond mattress. I've never heard a diamond before, but it's a really great mattress and, you know, I want this one. So, you know, I think there's definitely an opportunity to be had here, it's all about, you know, looking on the, the bright side of things. You know, you can sit in the, the gloom of, you know, the largest manufacturer buying the largest retailer, but that's not going to get you anywhere when it really comes down to it. And so one great example is I talked to Keith Moneymaker at Sweet Dreams Mattress, uh, Furniture and Mattress. And, uh, you know, he has this really great program called Dreams for All. Where he donates uh, used mattresses to people you know who need them, and it's one of the great marketing, um, charitable marketing you know programs that they do with the store. And he's also now scaling it so that other retailers can kind of adopt the program and do the same thing. And it really helps you know your local community. It's not you know you're not sending these mattresses overseas; you're sending them to the people in your community who need them. Um, and it's a good way to both help your community, raise some awareness, um, and also, you know, promote your store. So it's kind of three, three central, uh,
0: check marks. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because this link to your local community is one of the most important parts of being a retailer. Um, attaching yourself to that community. Continuously saying thank you and doing things that are important to the, to the community for the community as a way of just saying thank you. Um, and keeping your name out there is just invaluable. Um, one of the questions that I ask retailers and I asked this to a top 100. I said, who is the name brand? Are they the name brand? Are you the name brand? Right. If you've been around for 50 years or a hundred years and you're a third or a fifth generation family owned business, you're the name brand. You always have been. Yeah. This is just a wake up call, right? You're the name brand. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I I loved what you said, Alex, about viewing this positively or negatively because I think it's a great opportunity to improve yourself as a retailer. I think that you need to look at your displays, what the customer sees when they walk into your store, uh, look at your advertising message to see if you've kind of kept up with it. And are you really talking about meaningful change and outcomes for your customer? Will they get a better night's sleep if they buy from you? And will they wake up happy and pain-free to uh, steal a phrase from uh, Jeff Janakovo from Gardner's Mattress? Um, if you are helping your customers wake up pain-free and happy and you are not using testimonials and five-star online reviews um, in your marketing and modeling that, You're missing a huge opportunity. If you're doing a great job, you need to get credit for that. And then, you know, what these different brands do, the, the pieces on the board that kind of move. Um, you know, I, I, I've heard of absolute horror stories at retail, um, where manufacturers have done some things that they shouldn't do and, you would think, oh, my Lord, all hope is lost. Guess what? Almost every time, it turns out for the good. So I don't want anyone losing any sleep over what you believe the ramifications might be. One of the things that I've heard a lot, Alex, is this. Well, you know... They're going to drop SSB, and it'll be all Stearns and all Sealy, and um, and all Temper, and then they won't need us as much. Oh, let let me just, let's just play with this for a little bit because yeah. it's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. It, it may not even be close to reality. Uh, first of all, there's there's a supply agreement. That, there's an agreement. And I don't know how much time is left on the SSB agreement. And I don't know when this transaction is actually happening. I'm starting to hear, and Alex, maybe you could just correct me if I'm wrong. I originally heard end of the year, nothing happens to end of the year. Now I'm hearing it's getting pushed out to 2024. What are you hearing? And then I'll come back to my question.
1: Leave the last thing I heard was early 2024. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing too. I don't want to give a month, but I think it was early. So yeah. It'll definitely be next year though.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm I'm hearing. And so so let's just say for the fun of it, that SSB is bumped off the floor. Do you guys out there really believe that SSB isn't smart enough to think about this ahead of time? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're not. I one, one of my biggest things that I have been, I've been saying this for almost all 41 years. I think it took me a few years to get my feet wet, but from my fourth year on, I've been saying this. The biggest mistake you will ever make in your life as a manufacturer, as a VP of sales, as a sales executive in our business or as a sales rep in our business is to assume that your competitor is dumb. Do not assume that. Assume that your competitor is super smart and sometimes they'll disappoint us and they will do dumb things and that's okay too. But so let's just say 2024, and I'm making all of this up, don't know, Early 2024, let's just say March, March of 2024, the deal's consummated, SSB's got, I'm making this up, and I don't know, six months left with their contract and uh, they get noticed and they're going to be off the floor. Alex, what do you think's going to happen with SSB's Salesforce when they're notified? (laughs) By Tumbrecelius, that being dropped.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, they'll something they'll
0: like a, a, a beehive and bees to hunt. Yeah,
1: pretty much. Yeah. Um, you know, the, leading back, I think that that gives them an opportunity to be the brand name in other people's stores rather than in Mattress Firm. So if they wanted to really aggressively push that message, um, and if they could get the, you know, amount of retailers that it would take to make that successful, they could have a really big opportunity there. And, you know, the retailers could as well, because they could have a big brand name in their store if they lose temper. So, um, you know, there's, there's definitely some opportunities there. Uh, but that's a, <laughs> that would be a very interesting situation. And
0: yeah, you know, I, I, I think that, um, There's an old saying, there's no situation that you can't sell your way out of if Mm -hmm. you can sell. Yeah. And I think that the talent that's at SSB will find a way to rise to the occasion and and they're not going to sit there. And I, I, going back to what you originally said, Alex, change brings opportunity, right? And so you, feel bad because you own a store and temper was an important part of your store. And let's just say, and I really don't think this is going to happen in very many cases at all. Temper drops you. They drop you. And now, who's walking through the door? SSB. And what are they doing? Giving you the deal of a lifetime. Maybe giving you a deal that was twice as good as the deal that you had with temper. And you look up to the sky and you say, Lord, thank you. I always knew I was your favorite. So understand, please, that the more change that there is, the more opportunity there is. And don't sleep on the power of a private label, especially for companies that have been you know, in business longer than 40 years. If you've been in business longer than 40 years and you're second or third generation, You are the name brand, whether you acknowledge that or not. And no matter how important you think these name brands are, you're the most important name brand. And and I'm going to say this to you. Don't you wish that 10 years ago, if this happens and Tempur-Sealy dropped you, wouldn't you wish that you had private labeled your mattresses 10 years prior? The answer would be yes. So now you're getting a little kick in the fanny by the universe to go ahead and private label now. And it might be the best thing in another 10 years. You look back and you go, that that right there, that was my turning point. I should have private label 10 years ago. I didn't do it. I got forced into doing it against my will. And it turned out to be one of the best things I've ever done. Sorry, I got on my soapbox, Alex. It happens. <laughs> no, that's a great point. Yeah, anything to add to that? No, I Jumping think that's, up on my soapbox.
1: I think you said it, Pete. That's great.
0: Oh, Lord have mercy. Well, we are getting to that point in time where I actually read one of my chapters and... One of the things that I really want everybody, hey, Jeff, Janakavo, how do you like uh, my new Battlefield Alliance poster? Jeff, you and your team sent that to me. I am a card carrying member of uh, the Mastermind. And uh, if you are serious about succeeding in life and in business, be with winners. This is a great little book. I've read this before, but I just got a brand new one from Jeff and his uh, and his his group, The Law of Success by Napoleon Hill. Hill. do not sleep on that book. It might have been uh, written years and years ago, but boy, you could not read a better book. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. I uh, I could not not join the group. So let me get back to what I was about to read. I lost my, I got so excited. I saw Jeff there and I said, oh, <laughs> five marketing laws. So those of you who have your book at home, Nicole, superstar, AKA superstar and Paducah, Kentucky, page 51, chapter 32, five marketing laws. And you're a marketer from way back, Alex, so I would love for you to put your marketing hat on with this. The following may sound a bit harsh, but they are fundamental human and marketing laws. Law number one, people are not interested in you or your product or your service. They're only interested in what you, your product, or your service can do for them. I know it's harsh. It's harsh. All they really care about is what you can do to make their lives easier, better, or more enjoyable. Happy wake ups. If you are in the mattress business, you should focus on helping your customer wake up happy and pain free. Law number two people don't buy what they need, they buy what they want. People don't want you to sell them a product. They want you to solve their problem. And this isn't in the book, but Jeffrey Gittimer's quote is just jumping at me right now. People hate to buy. People people, uh, hate to be sold, but they love to buy. So when you are working with a customer and you find the right solution, they're going to buy it from you if it's the right thing for them. Law number three, it's up to you, the marketer of your business, to align the emotional reasons why your product or service can solve the pains or fulfill the desires of your ideal target customer and get that message in front of them in the most effective way possible. And then number four, Marketing is a process. It's not one and done. It's not an event. It never stops and only evolves and changes as dictated by the market. That's if you're a smart marketer, you pay attention and you make the changes. And law number five, good, effective marketing starts with you. What say you, Alex? What say you?
1: Well, I think there's a lot to unpack there, but I think one of the central kind of themes is you know, the mattress industry has a very unique approach to marketing. And that's because they can sell sleep instead of the mattress. So, you know, to a lot of those points, it's really about selling the idea that they're going to get better sleep because of, you know, XYZ. It's not look at this product and, you know, look how beautiful this product is and how many, you know, Gadgets and whistles it has it's it's about the sleep, and you know they again they don't want to be sold. they want something that will solve their problem and so there's a really um really cool you know way that the sleep industry does that, and I think there's different ways for manufacturers and retailers you know they both kind of have to do that retailers have to talk to consumer, but manufacturers have to talk to the retailer in a way that They can relay that information to the end consumer, you know? So, um, yeah, I think, I think it's pretty interesting. And there's a really cool opportunity in this industry to kind of go wild with your marketing. You know, it's, it's not the furniture industry. It's not a stuffy, you know, industry filled with old men. It's, it's really a marketing centric industry focused on sleep and we should all use that. Hundred
0: percent, couldn't agree more, Steve yeah. Hauk. Hey, my Steve. man. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Steve. What say you about all this mattress firm acquisition stuff? I <laughs> thought we were going to have a TSI roast. LOL, Steve. What say you? I I so just broad strokes before you get there. Um, I don't want to roast anybody. Uh, I want my industry that I've loved for 41 years and continue to love to be strong and healthy. And um, I actually am one of the few that believe that a healthy mattress firm is good for the industry. And I think that our lead in manufacturers them being strong is good for our industry. I, I really do. But Alex made a very good point, and the point is that we are overlooking private labeling. And you know, one of the things, and this will be a little bit of self promotion, uh, Ben Industries of America. We're the largest private labeler of anybody. We make more private labels, and when you just talk about sheer volume of mattresses being shipped into America. Nobody ships more private label mattresses than Bedding Industries of America. So if you guys are looking for a uh an answer to your private labeling, to Alex's point, there's hundreds, if not thousands, of companies that can do it. Um but I would especially encourage all of my listeners to give Benton Industries of America at least a good hard look. And I think the more you look, the more you'll like it. But that aside, that self-promotion aside, one of the things that we all need to do if we own a store always is to look at our rate of sale. You know, I had a guy um, call me last week and he said, Uh, They came in here. Uh, Temper Sealy came in with their rep and their sales manager and told me I had to add six SKUs. I looked at my business and I just, I can't give them six more SKUs because the 10 SKUs they have aren't performing. And so, one of the things I said at the very beginning of, of this Deep dive that me and Alex are having with you is let's take the emotion out, guys. Take the emotion out and let's look at the numbers. You know, is TSI on your floor temper sealy? Are they doing a good job in terms of are they paying their rent? Is each SKU paying their rent? And I'm all for understanding that it creates an umbrella to sell under and it's part of an overall merchandising point of view. But every SKU, as my friend Doug Stewart says, has to pay its rent. And and not every SKU has to be a bestseller. Some SKUs set up additional sales and that's okay too. But take the emotion out, look at what it really means to your business and you know, maybe you do add this excuse that they're asking. Maybe it's important enough, and maybe there's enough unrealized potential that you do add it. And, and I don't work for Temper Sealy. I work for Bedding Industries of America. Okay, so I'm not trying to help them. I'm just trying to keep it real here because, to me, the most important thing is for you to be a strong store and everybody has to find their own path. Andy Friedman, Andy says, Pete, I'm with you on Mattress Firm. If Mattress Firm went away, this would be a catastrophe for the mattress industry. Well, thank you for agreeing with me. Got a question in there? The industry, yes, he does. Industry competes for consumers, and we need mattress firm advertising. Yeah, you know, that's a great point that Andy made there, Alex. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's see what Steve Hauck has to say. Steve says, mattress firm will always be a competitor of mine. If I can keep a customer in my store and out of firm, I will continue to sell TSI. Well, there's a lot to unpack there, Alex. I'm going to let you, the journalist, have at this one. I think, you know, it's
1: that's understandable. Um, But, you know, kind of back to Andy's point, the advertising that Mattress Firm does for the industry, the awareness that they bring to mattresses and, and now, you know, more sleep there. They've recently kind of changed their messaging. They've tried to change their messaging from, you know, sale, sale, sale to here's, you know, how we're trying to help you and here's why sleep is important. Um, but, you know, they, they, it's good to have competition. Let's say that, Um, you know, if you don't have competition, it's not everyone is just going to come to your store. Like you might, might think. So I think that the competition is good. I think that it also keeps people on their toes. It keeps them, um, thinking about new ideas. And so, you know, I can see why it would be, you know, why Steve, you might have some, some anger toward Mattress Firm or, or, um, you know, whatever, but I think in the end, competition is good. And Steve, I know that you're a smart guy, so you can definitely outsmart Mattress Firm.
0: Well, and not only that. So here's here's my little pep talk to every mattress store owner out there. 90% of you guys could just flat out outsell the employees at Mattress Firm. Now, I'm not saying Mattress Firm doesn't have some talent there because they did, but there was a point in time where the very best and brightest of all the sales pros were at Mattress Firm. There, there was a point in time, and it wasn't that long ago. It was 10, 12 years ago, 15 years ago, where Mattress Firm did such an incredible job of recruiting people. Uh, one of my best friends who's out of the industry, Brian Pancos, who always listens to the show, he was recruited by Mattress Firm at his college. So Chris, I know this is going to upset you, but he's a Spartan. I I know you're Wolverine, but my friend Brian is a Spartan and he was recruited on uh, on their campus. And you know, uh, Brian was one of the smartest and most gifted guys I've ever met in the mattress industry. Really really top-notch uh sales pro. So I agree that Competition is good, but I also think that you guys have to give yourself credit for you know there's there's a a lot a lot of the guys that are in the uh mattress network group are mattress firm guys in their heyday and they were extraordinarily well trained I mean mm. factory visits the whole nine yards and uh, they have become great store owners in their own right. And at the end of the day, when your customers are deciding who they're going to buy from, they're going to buy from whoever they're most connected to. And if your ability as a salesperson is greater and they feel more connected to you, and they believe that you care about them as a human being, and that you are going to do the right thing for them, then you win. And so I think that talent does win in the end.
1: I'm sorry, yeah, I'm I think that's an here. interesting point, Pete. Um, you know, so think about kind of the disconnect between mattress firms marketing and their in-store experience. So you see their marketing. It is top of the line. It's, you know, beautiful imagery, famous, you know, actors and actresses. It's, you know, they go all out for it. Uh, but then you go into the store and, you know, there's a 25 year old who could care less about how you sleep at night, who just wants to, you know, sell the, the best, the most expensive mattress that they have so that he makes the most commission. Right. So. So the experience that you get when you walk in is not what you see in the commercials, but if there's a local store that, you know, runs a TV advertisement or even just a, a web advertisement and they, you know, can bring someone in the store. And then once they're in there, show them that they actually care. That is what is going to, you know, build a loyal customer and possibly build your ticket higher. If they really do trust you and you can, you know, find them a sleep solution that works. Um so I think that's pretty interesting to to think about the disconnect between the marketing and the the in store and how retailers can capitalize on that.
0: Wow. Alex, uh you just brought up so- solid gold. I I know uh Jeff popped his head in here and Jeff if you're still there you can jump in on this because I know this is who Gardner's mattress is fundamentally. Um Delivering a better and a different experience to the customer is what Jeff and Ben are all about at Gardner's Mattress and more. How do we provide an experience that is completely different than any other mattress store they'll ever walk in and not only just different for different sake, but better? and helps them get the outcome of getting a better night's sleep and the benefits that are associated with that, waking up happy and pain-free, that is the secret bullet. I've always talked about this disconnect. For years and years, I've been talking about it. When you have a marketing message out there and then the experience in store does not dovetail into that, there's a problem. And what happens with your customer, what's going off in her head, and I mean her because 90% of the time it's her, and if it's not her, it's her still because it's going to be a her who makes a decision sooner or later, even if it's a guy that comes into the store. How do you make a customer feel when they come into the store? What is the feeling? Because I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to put a, a fine point on this. I'm 62, and doesn't matter anymore. If somebody gets pissed off from, from mattress firm, I could care less. Um, I've heard more horror stories about mattress firm employees spinning on their heels and walking around going to their desk and ignoring a customer because they found out that they wanted something that cost underneath, God forbid, a thousand bucks. Because not if they put that to paper, it not only gets them a call from their regional manager, it also could play the opposite of heaven with their. Uh, bonus structure and they could lose all of their bonus, uh, commissions and the, their bonus structure if they put this deal down in, in, in writing. So they really, they don't want to write the business.
1: So mm-hmm.
0: this is what I would say to all store owners and all retailers. If you have a system in place that makes an, an RSA, a sales pro want to ignore another human being, you need to rethink that process because it's not going to build your business long-term. It might be good for short-term profits, but it is not good for you uh, long-term. I can tell you that in my career, I was only in retail for nine years. I had repeat customers that came back in and I, de- I couldn't remember all of them. And they would say, yeah, we bought, you treated us so good. And, you know, we were just getting an apartment then. And, you know, now we're buying a house and we want some really good stuff. And, you know, you treated us so well when we just needed cheap stuff in the apartment that now we want to furnish our whole house with you because yeah. you treated us right. Mm-hmm. Mr. and Mrs. executive, please think about this. What Thanks. we're saying here, it, you know, You're probably pulling back and getting angry at me. Don't get angry at me. I'm just telling you the truth. I have heard these stories again and again and again and more frequently in the last few years. And so getting back to our original thing, Alex, (laughs) is is mattress firm really some company that doesn't give you lots of ways to compete against them? I mean, do people just buy based on brand? What we're learning more day by day, Alex, is today's consumer is less concerned about brand than any other consumer in the last few generations.
1: Yeah, definitely. I know it's really going to change you know, the game, and I think, in a good way for for manufacturers who can get in there and for retailers who can sell products that are not just, you know, tempered, certain, you know, big names like that. Uh, purple, you know, is going into retail stores now. So, um, yeah, you know, I think, uh, I think Master's Firm is kind of a necessary evil in this industry. Um, but I am you know, looking forward to what Temper is going to do um, with Mattress Firm, assuming the acquisition goes through. And, you know, how they can really uh, benefit the whole sleep industry by pushing that message out in a way that does not uh, make it look like, you know, we're all here, all used car salesmen.
0: Yeah. And, you know, when we have sales pros that spin on their heels, go back to their desk and finish their crossword puzzle, Instead of asking really good questions of the customer because they're afraid it's going to ruin their bonus, uh, -hmm. structure. Um, I would, I would say this TSI, you're about to buy mattress firm. Fix that. Um, and I know, uh, what don't give them any good ideas. Okay. Okay. I'll stop. (laughs) Sorry. So listen, Alex what is your best advice that you could give to a store owner that you've become close to and you care about them and you want them to succeed and you want them to win? What is your best advice regarding this likely acquisition that is going to happen uh, most probably? By the way, I have to share this with you. I told the top 100. I said, it's likely to happen, but it's not 100%. He goes, Pete. It's it's 99% <laughs> and said, you know what? You're probably right, but let's just look at what the options are. And We did a deep dive on options. And Alex, to your point, and I'm glad you brought this up, one of the options that we talked about was private labeling and who's the brand. We had the discussion about who mm-hmm. is the brand. And this is a retailer that's over 50 years old and third or fourth generation, family-owned business, fabulous business. And they should have private labeled 20 years ago. But what's your best advice, Alex, to uh, a a store owner who's maybe perhaps a little worried about this or a little concerned about what's going to probably take place in 2024? Yeah. Um, I think my
1: advice in general is really, um, you know, don't feel like it's a, um, little guy pitted against a big guy. Look at your own market, stay in tune with your community, uh, do local advertising. There are so many ways that smaller companies can compete with bigger companies. Uh, even though, you know, these bigger ones have more resources and money and all that. Um, but you really just have to kind of look inward and look at your own market and focus on yourself. Don't think too hard about, you know, what is this going to mean, especially because it's not happening for another, you know, six or seven months. So, um, yeah, I'd say just focus on yourself and, you know, focus on your business.
0: I I think that's great advice. Focus on yourself, focus on your community, have an inward focus. and. I'm going to add one thing to that. Don't borrow trouble from other people. Uh, Your friend in California might have got closed by TSI. You don't know what all the factors are. That that doesn't mean you're going to be closed. Don't, Don't jump off of a bridge if you don't have to. I, I, yeah. I know that some people are bristling at that because everybody seems to be real eager to, to, to make moves now. But I would say evaluate the numbers and really make moves that make sense for you. And please don't borrow other people's problems. But I agree a thousand percent with, with Alex. There's options. Private labeling is a great solution. And it's an opportunity to improve yourself and really focus on your customer experience because you always, no matter what you do, wherever your store is, it doesn't matter what state or city you're in, you always want to bring your customer to a place where you're strong, your service, your store, your brands are strong and your competition is weak. and usually when that happens, it is the right thing for the customer and always every bit of advice that we always give you focus, focus, focus on your customer, give them the best experience possible and you will win. Alex, thank you so much, man. Great advice and really great Intel. Um, the fact that you were on that call, um, with uh, temper was very, very revealing. And uh, yes, yeah. Anybody yeah, that watched this, watch it over and over again because I started off with a blank piece of paper and ended up with like 50 things here. I started writing in <laughs> different colors. Uh, so thank you so much, Alex. Thank yeah, you, yeah, Chris, for G- pro- producing another great show. Thank you, Jeff Janakovo, for letting me join the battlefield. Um, Alliance and I will see all of you guys on the battlefield. Have a great day and sell a million.